I don't know, quagmire of, of misery. Welcome to episode 29 of the Lunchtime in Rome podcast. This is Eric, and I am here with Brian and Jay. And Jay, would you give a little description of the show before we get going here? I would. Uh, we go through life feeling alone. That's that's the beginning, and that's the problem. And that goes all the way back to Adam in the Garden of Eden. Uh, even though he had everything, he was alone. And Romans 12.15, Rome 12.15, which would be lunchtime in Rome, uh, Romans twelve fifteen in the Bible says, "Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn," which is the key to keeping somebody from feeling alone, joining somebody in their motion, sharing experiences with them, and that's what this podcast is about. And we spend the first twenty minutes modeling that by talking about life and food and each other and what's going on, and joining each other in the emotions, whether it's good or bad from that week. The next twenty minutes or so, uh, we go over something specifically and to help. Uh, everybody who listens or watches on Facebook, uh, how to perhaps keep somebody else from being alone or how to maybe heal a little bit themselves so that they're more able to be in a relationship with somebody else. In the last 10 minutes, we throw that all out the window and make fun of people who need to do better. But we do then end by lifting up somebody and saying they can't do better. Yeah. That's the last 10 minutes or so. So that's what we do here. Yeah. And that's why we do it. So let's get into it. Brian, what do you got going on this week? A lot of nothing. Pretty <laughs> nice. Uh, pretty basic week. Um, Not like as the kids say, basic. Well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was trying. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm using the right word. Um, but yeah, just kind of a short week. Um, I had a you know nice weekend. It was warm and pool was open and had people over and so that was great. You know that's feeds me and and. Um, that's what I live for. Uh, we cook out on Saturday or on Sunday and, and Monday. Um, saw one of my old friends who, uh, he went blind all of a sudden a couple years ago, lost sight in one eye and then lost sight in the other die, eye Too a day soon. later. Yeah. And it is what? what's going to come to my story for this week. <laughs> I was teasing it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I saw my buddy Rob and, and, uh, his kids and it was nice. Um, just, you know, I, so I guess that was really the highlight of the week. And uh, then this week's just kind of been we- It's just been a weird week. It's just, I don't know. Weird is uh, is something people use when they're like, I don't really want to define it any further. Uh, it just <laughs> weird, abnormal, it weird. It rained all week. And I just, I was, and I'm not normally, I don't normally feel like, you know. Seasonal effect. Yeah, I don't. But like no. this week, it was just like, is it raining? It's raining again. And we had a weird practice at church on Tuesday night, which was frustrating to me. Yeah, it's it just been one of those, you know. One of those weeks. Well, and you just opened up your pool. And like you said at the beginning, like that's what you thrive for that. And like you just opened it and it's raining. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's in some ways it's kind of fine during the week, whatever. You know, I mean, I like to swim and it was actually getting a little bit low. So I was thinking about putting the hose in it and filling it up. But I don't need yeah. to do that now. Um, that's so. true. Saving money. Right. Saving money. Thank money. You. Money. Thank from, you. Nature. Money from heaven. Right. Thank you, nature. So um work. Yeah, you know, just one of those kind of a doldrum kind of weeks, and I know we have them. And and um, um, you brought over some good food on on Sunday, and well, chicken wings, chicken legs. I mean, chicken legs. Um, and everybody kind of brought something, and and so that was really my highlight. I don't really have a whole lot this week. That was a good day. It was a fun day. Well, and it looked like it was going to rain, and then it didn't. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome, right? Because it, it was supposed to. It was like calling for it, like. And then even Monday, but yeah, you know, that's sort of the, the hidden blessing in this whole week is Monday was supposed to be cloudy, not really rainy. And it was beautiful, banging gorgeous. Right. I yeah, mean, it day. was, yeah. and then it was like, all right, you're back to work. We're going to open up the heavens and just rain forever. Yeah. And it really has. It really, like and then it's like, straight. and then it stops and, and then it rains and then it rains. Yeah. When historically uh, here in Penn Hills slash Pittsburgh on Memorial Day, it's usually hot. And like it was really pleasant. Like I mean, it was warm, but it wasn't like it was ninety unbearable. Yeah, which was awesome. I mean, you know, Bella was complaining about the rain today. She said, "You know, April shower in her voice. April showers bring May flowers. May rain is just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> bring stupid." I agree. I yes, agree. Absolutely. Could use some more sunshine. 
Um, but yeah, Monday, um, unless you're, are you done? Well done. You're good. Um, Monday, we had our Memorial Day picnic here at the house. My brother and sister-in-law are in from out of town for the Hammond family reunion, which is this weekend. It's actually kicking off tonight um, with with a couple people, not everybody, because obviously I'm not there. Um, but tomorrow the fun begins. Um, but my brother and sister-in-law were over here. My parents were over here. Amy's parents were over here. And we had a great day. It was so much fun. We, you know, weather was great. Um, and everything was perfect. Yeah, it really was. Like, it was a gorgeous day. Until. Until we decided to start, you know, taking stuff down. We, You know, we were out back at our house and we had, you know, a canopy tent up. And as, you know, we, we took it down and I was getting the, the storage bag underneath it. My brother was holding the tent and I was getting the storage bag underneath and I bent down and I just dead on the hit the tent with my eyeball <laughs> and not the best thing to hit <laughs> and fewer worse things. Ah, man, I've never, I mean, I've been hitting the Iowa stuff before, but man, this just was like, like I could literally like see the tent clear as day coming closer and closer to my eye. And it gives you the bottom of the spine jibblies or whatever they're called. Freaking weird. It was bad. It was real bad. And it just felt like um, there was something stuck in my eye. Something's wrong. All something night. Something is very, very wrong. <laughs> so, um, and everything was blurry, you know, because it's like watering like crazy. And um, our neighbor, um, Becky, which is really fortunate, she's a nurse. So she came over and took a look at it. And she said, you know, there's really nothing you can do. Um, like if you go to med express or anything, they're not going to do anything. They're going to have to send you to some kind of, you know, specialist, you know, optometrist or whatever. So she's like, I'd wait it out and see if you can get an appointment tomorrow with, with an optometrist. So I did that very thing and I got an appointment with my opto- optometrist, but man, I suffered through the night. Like it was like so uncomfortable. Like if you've ever had something in your eye, like just multiply that and it's the worst. You kind of need to have had. your eyes closed if you want to sleep. <laughs> well, and you know, I'm like putting pressure on it and you know, Ugh. trying to like, just how long, trying was, to get how long was that night? <laughs> I, uh, it was long. It was long. I kept on waking up. It was, it was bad. Um, so I go to the, the optometrist and um, I have a scratch cornea. So she's giving me the exam and I have a scratch cornea and she was like, man, you hit this dead on straight. She was like, you could not have hit this like any more square onto your cornea. And she, and she said, this is pretty bad. <laughs> and I was like, all right, tell me the goodness. Um, it is the, I learned that it is the fastest healing part of your body. So if you ever do get poked in the eye, it heals up pretty quickly. Um, but she ended up putting on a contact on my eye as basically a band aid for my eye. And you've never worn contacts. I've never worn contacts in my life. Why not start with a scratch on your well, eye? Well, so it already feels like there's something else in my eye, and then we put something else in my eye. But I will say this it did bring more comfort. Like mm. it was tol- tolerable after she put that in. It just felt like there was a little something in my eye, which is not annoying at all, you know? No, you never notice it. <laughs> um, so I'm doing eye drops, that whole thing, and I go back Wednesday. And it's healing nicely. It's, you know, moving along. But she does, she she has told me at this point that it may not get back to 100%. Because there's nothing they can do. Like, they can't correct it with Lasix or, LASIK or glasses or anything. So, like, right now, if I look through it, it looks like I'm looking through a dirty window. And it's really weird. But she did say it's really, really healing up nicely. So, I, I, I went back today. I've been there Tuesday, Wednesday. And today they took, she took the contact out today and we have to let it breathe a little bit, let it heal up a little bit more, but I'm at about 20, 30 in terms of my eyesight. Mm. So I'm seeing pretty good. It's still like, I can still, still feel like there's a little bit of something in my eye. So it's still annoying. Um, it's annoying to hear, <laughs> but it's tolerable. Um, and I think the best response that I got because you know everybody's at work is you know making fun of you (laughs) ask well I worked from home this week which was nice but it was also like I do a lot of work on the computer so it's very straining and you know it's just my other eyes you know compensating for the (laughs) like come on man um 
but Bridget, um, at work, you know, she was asking over our messaging system and, and she was asking how I was and told her the update and she was like, my eyes are tearing up and watering for you right now. And I was like, that was a really good response. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to mention that on our, uh, emotional needs comfort podcast. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I go back Monday. Hopefully it'll be back to basically where where it'll kind of stay so physiologically a scratched cornea will affect your like 2020 like it's going to affect your yeah but it can't be corrected Mm -hmm. because like it's not the part of your eye that glasses would correct Mm -hmm. it's like the outer like the protective so the cornea so your you've got your your pupil which is the black part that dilates you've got your iris which is the color part Mm -hmm. the cornea Look at Mr. you, no, no. Mr. Anatomy, doing I, math now. I'm, anatomy, I asked them, I'm impressed. I, well, I asked them on Tuesday night, and I felt really dumb because I was like, um, "You have your eye, you got the ball. What's the cornea? You got again? the socket. So the cornea is like the white part, with, which has like the covering. The cornea is just like the outer layer of your mm. eyeball. Yeah, even goes over the pupil. Yeah, and so she had to put the contact on you. And then, like, you had instructions not to, like, mess with I it. I can't, take... yeah, I can't move it, which was nerve-wracking because all I wanted to do was, like... Have you ever taken a contact out or put one in? No. Never. Still have never done it. So she took she it did out it, for She you. put it in and took it out for me, yeah. Was it a medicated contact? You said it was, like, a Band-Aid. It's, it yeah, was it's, more some just kind of, like a... it's some kind of special contact. I don't know if there's, like, any medication on it. Yeah, I, do, I did have to take, like, my a... I ever get sick. <laughs> I did have to put, like, an antibacterial drop-in mm-hmm. ever for every eight hours yeah and then you ran out and you just started using like antibacterial <laughs> squirt stuff <laughs> oh <gasps> chopped up some prednisone <laughs> yeah it's the same thing yeah um and then and now i'm on like a it's like a semi-steroid mm-hmm. kind of thing um now you're, i can't sleep sorry <laughs> well no I, I don't think so i i can sleep i'll tell you that because like my it's been making me really tired sure yeah um so yeah, it's like extra the extra stress, the extra strain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you know, it's sensitive to light, so like looking at a computer screen. Yeah, not fun. What, don't you have those? Um, like the gaming glasses. Have you ever used those? Because I know people use. I those have to used those, um, but I don't have any right now. Yeah. Okay. There's there's a guy I work with who he gets migraines, so he wears the yeah. he wears the like tinted glasses. There's a there's a woman I work with that that uses them. It takes out like the blue of mm. the screen and makes it a little bit more easy on the, I might look into that actually mm-hmm. now that, you know, I'm actually due for, for glasses and I need to go for like a regular eye exam. So how come you never done contacts before? Well, I didn't get glasses until later on in life. I'm trying to think how, how old I was. I think I was like 28 when I got my first pair of glasses. And you so don't, it wasn't you, like, you know, you're not like super reliant on them either. Like, I mean, you need them when you need them, but like, you're not wearing them all the time. Right. I need them when I'm, when I'm on the computer, basically when when I like to wear them is on the computer and at night while driving, especially in the rain. Well, that's interesting to me because one is if you're on the computer, that's, you know, being short sighted or actually near sighted or far sighted. My point is there's two different times. Like one's distance and one's close. Because computer's right here, but when uh, you're driving, well, it's... But the reason why... But it makes everything that more... more I have 20-20 vision. Like, I, it's it's just that it makes that those things that much more crisp for, like, text on a screen. Like, that that's what the eye strain... It's more for the eye strain. My eyes will have to work harder if I don't have my glasses on. But I can still read it. It's just... You know, if I if I don't wear my glasses and I work all day without my glasses, I will fall asleep at seven thirty and wake up the next morning. Wow. Yeah. And then at nighttime it just makes everything like it takes out the halo effect, you know, of like the blur of the lights and it makes a little bit makes everything a little bit more crisp and, and easy to see. So yeah, I know if I wear my con, I don't. I hardly ever wear my contacts when I'm on the computer. Yeah, I, I usually they usually dry out. Yeah, it's, and that's it's just and that's awful. W- and that's what I've heard. So yeah. like that's why I've kind of not done it. Yeah. Well, welcome everyone to iTalk. <laughs> and that's with an E. We've done the not anatomy. An apple. <laughs> We've done the anatomy. We've done how to heal up an eye. Yeah. Well, it's, let's it's move on to a problem I had on Monday. Um, besides. Spending way too much money for the second day in a row. Nope. On Saturday and Monday, buying flowers for our domicile. 
Um, but you went to the place. I did go to the place. You went to the place. There's the secret need to greenhouse. You, need to tell you about it. Need to. Uh, I remember the first time I talked. <laughs> I'm going to use my words. You go all the way to the bottom of Lower Road Eye, make a right on yeah. the tribe burrow, look for the little sign that says greenhouse. Then you go way up on the hill in Turtle Creek, where as you're on this road, you're sure bodies have been dumped. It is isolated in the middle of nowhere. Boom. Three greenhouses, cheap plants. Yeah. So cheap, I was able to buy a ton for $62. Wow. But I still bought a ton. Yeah. <laughs> but I still spent $62. Yeah. Then I spent $85 on Memorial Day buying more flowers at Penn Hills Lawn and Garden. Lovely place. Spent the afternoon with Rachel while she was pressure washing, oh, uh, using best. Eric's pressure washer, uh, the house and her hand at one point, but didn't break the skin. So that's a good thing. And then I was so excited because I was actually going to bust out the charcoal grill. I Ooh. use the propane because I don't always have three hours to cook. Right. And so I was so excited and I got, you know, the charcoal out and lit the fire and everything else. And I cooked some, some Italian sausage, mm. some Italian chicken, made some fresh burgers all on the charcoal grill. And then afterwards we took a nice family walk and on the walk, I smelled somebody's grill. Oh, yeah. And I said, man, I said, see, that's what I want though. I said, I wish I, you know, I want that smell. Yes. And Joe and Rachel both looked at me like I was the dumbest person on earth. No. And they said, I know exactly what you're they talking said, about. Your grill smelled like that. And Joe said, Your grill today smelled so much better than that. And I went, You can never smell your own grill. Right? <laughs> it's like your BO. You can't smell your own. I don't have BO. I'm pure. Well, but that's what you think. And right. <laughs> that's what people like that say. <laughs> but why is it you can't smell your own grill? I don't know. Because it was, I mean, I, I mean, I did three different meats, you know, it was beautiful. Everything else couldn't smell it. it is, and, and it's like, well, somebody it, else in my neighbor was like, oh, Jay's grilling again. But it's <laughs> like, I, there must be some science behind it because like, you know, you light a fire, it smells like a fire. It's great. But there's nothing like food on a grill. No, no, no. There's no. nothing. <laughs> somebody else's food on the grill. There's nothing like driving down a neighborhood, windows down, and then you get the scent of like a fire. On like in in the breeze like, and it's somebody else's fire. It's like that's somebody else's smell. Is what I'm saying. And I just love the fact that in Pennsylvania here, it always seems to smell like that. Like, yeah, you're like, talking like a wood a, fire. Yes. Yeah, like like a right. campfire. Or something yeah, like you get it. You, get, you just get that smell in the wind. And you're like, you yeah, know, oh, I love that. that. But when it's your own, it's like, yeah, it smells like fire. Yeah, but I'm saying my own grill doesn't smell like a grill. I don't even smell it. But that's what I'm saying. Uh, I saw a guy trying to pick up a grill from somebody's garbage, and I don't know. That's my grill story. <laughs> Actually, throwing our old grill away, um, there was a guy that was exclusively picking up grills. I guess he like panned the neighborhood like maybe the night before mm -hmm. and saw what people had out. And then well, my old one got taken, too. He pulled up with a flatbed trailer. It's good scrap. And he already had two grills on there already and then he just added mine so he was like grill specific you did new orleans right after the flood you went down and yeah were you you and so you were in these neighborhoods that were completely lost right yeah do you remember the trucks that came by and just picked up the the uh refrigerators oh Ugh. oh these refrigerators that have been sitting there in the stink in the sun and is the it heat. warm or humid down there a <laughs> little bit a little bit it's gonna make those uh the uh man I don't know how it we was got, so bad. Yeah. Well, and like you had to like, you had to like duct tape them yeah. to eternity so that they would never be opened up ever <laughs> again. <laughs> because like, if the smell, oh, the Ugh. smell, was so bad. It was like, well, I've you never had, smelled like multiple dead bodies, but it's pretty much. It smelled what like I would yeah, it smelled like death because like you had all this rotting food inside, which you know you have meat, and then that fridge was filled with water. Yeah. And then from the lake drained yep. and then just Mold. rotting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just bad. We went from charcoal chicken, yeah. hot sausage and hamburgers to, to rotting new Orleans, rotting new Orleans refrigerator funk. Hey, that's why people pay attention to this podcast. Cause it's right. we're all over the place. We are you don't know. You don't, don't know, know where we're going. That's you know? right. And we don't should, know where we're going. <laughs> people should clean things up. And very often we're asked to clean things up. Right. 
And sometimes in relationships, one person is the one always asking and the other person is the one who's always not doing it. Yeah. And that's sort of what we're looking at this week. We've been talking about marital games or behavioral games that people play. Uh, You know, last week we talked about, you know, nothing's wrong and hooked, which was sort of the game that Rachel and I played before we learned this, where I would be mad but afraid to share my hurts for fear that they wouldn't be... um, healed or met or understood Mm. so i would walk around the house and be all grumpy and slamming doors and just trying to get rachel to say something wrong and we talked about that marital game and we're talking about one a week and this week we're focusing one that is called complainer versus procrastinator Mm. so I, i sold it on the website and on facebook of you know that one person that's always you know and if you think of comedians If we were a really good podcast, we would probably start with a comedian each week doing a bit about how men and women are different and talk about their wives. Because most comedians complain about, you know, not most, but many do. And one could be like, oh, my wife, she's such a nag. Yeah. It gets old. Oh, it's 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 like one of the worst. Yeah. It's an easy joke, you know, not. But it's also they use it because people identify with it. Yeah. And so here it is. It says in this game, one partner makes a request. Would you please take out the trash? And the other agrees, but doesn't follow through. Sure, I'll I'll do it later. After asking over and over with no results, one spouse becomes the complainer, quote, nag, while the other continues to postpone following through on commitments and becomes the procrastinator. The game can be very destructive as anger mounts, avoidance continues, and trust is undermined. Now, what I think is interesting is if that happens in a relationship, if if that's you, somebody who's listening or somebody in this room, you don't think it's a game. You just think it's a flaw with the other person. Mm. You know, why is she always down my back or how come nothing, you know, and the other, how come I, I'll do it when I want to do it, you know, you know, or, you know, the one person's always nagging and the other person never follows through and it's, it's not a behavioral game. But it is, Mm. which is one of those things that I think is amazing about this. Why do they do it? Well, the complainer might keep playing the game to prove that the spouse can't be counted upon. This might be necessary in order, number one, to gain attention as the martyr as the martyr spouse or to reinforce the safety of the complainer's self-reliance. Or number three, to justify certain retaliation behaviors, spending, temper, independence, The procrastinator may continue to play the game in order to prove that the spouse is an egg. Because if you do it, you know, if somebody asks you to do something, then you do it. Well, then they're not a nag. You're just helping out. Mm. But if you don't do it, you're like, see, there you go. Nagging again. You've lost your ammunition. Mm. Or he or she won't be controlled. So don't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. I'll do what I want. That's the procrastinator. Yes. The one not doing it. So, honey, take out the garbage. Oh, right. nag, nag, you nag. Don't, you don't I'm, tell me. You don't tell me what to do. Or three, the complainer needs the the procrastinator, making him or, hell, him or her less fearful or insecure. So I'm not going to do it because I want you to keep asking me to do something. I'm afraid if I do what you ask me, then you're not going to need me anymore. Mm. <laughs> it's so funny. You're like, I don't identify with that at all. Nope. <laughs> yeah. That is a weird one. It's like, and it's weird to hear things that it's hard to relate to things that you're can't relate to. Yeah. But I know like, that's a thing. Like, like I, I can see that. It's not me. Right. Yeah. Um, so you don't identify with this at all. Oh, I do. But I thought we were going to, right. I thought Brian had a well, really I was good move on. Yeah. Well, you can move on. But I think I'll probably comment on Brian and probably say I'm pretty much the same way. So you identify a little bit with this. I identify with this and the one from last week. It's like I, I do. Uh, it, it's a a double whammy. It's a dual game. Yeah, this You're one very diverse. This so a couple questions. What constitutes nagging versus just following up? Like that sounds like the nagger. Well, no, no, because because I'm not nagging. I'm just being thorough. No, because Abby and I had this conversation this morning. She she Abby your daughter. Abby my daughter. She asked me something, and I can see her bordering on like I can see nagging tendencies but she's also seven years old so um she has nagging well okay so the the situation was Alexis and I had promised her something and I said and she was like and and you haven't done it for like two months 
And I said, baby, we've got lots of things going on in our minds. And I said, not that we think that we're not trying to minimize you um, and not, not to get off the subject here, but not to minimize you. But mama and I just have lots of things going on. So sometimes we need you to follow up. But then there's a line where if you're ta- like telling us every like, give us a chance to do it. So we were talking about following up versus nagging because I have been around people and been influenced by people that do nag. And it it is not something I respond well to and I don't want to be that person. But in this game, I do find myself being not the procrastinator, but the complainer, the complainer. And I try not to complain. So it's like a weird thing for me. I know that that's what I am. I would like, if, if this is the primary game that I play in my relationships, I'm the complainer, but I try not to complain. So it's like, well, again, I think by complainer, we don't want it to, to get confused because you're not complaining about things. It's it's you're complaining that somebody hasn't done what you've asked them to do. Mm-hmm. That's the specific complaint. Does that make sense? Well, like, hey, from, can you clean your stuff? Up? Well, for me, and that's a standing thing. And just being honest in my house, I don't like clutter. I don't like um, when things are out of place. Like there's a place for everything and everything in its place. You know, that's that's kind of how I feel. And sometimes Family members will take turns. Sometimes that most of the time, all the time, there's this constant state of I'm walking, you know, and and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Right. But but, and and so for me, it's it's been very important for me to just put this standing like not standing order, but the standing expectation like here's what I don't like. And I feel disrespected in this Mm -hmm. and I want you to work it out on your own. And, you know. It will get to the point where if I feel disrespect, like I walked into my bedroom today and I sat down and looked around and I left because I couldn't be in my bedroom because I started to feel suffocated because my entire bedroom, like I had my slice of the bed, which was, you know, clean and everything else was not clean and not your stuff and not my stuff. And I walked out and I was a little, you know, upset. And so then that leads to me into the, I'm fine. Um, um, it actually triggers the other it, game. It does, yeah. Absolutely. It goes right into the other game because you're not engaging in the complaining part. I don't want to, you don't want to be that I'm guy. I'm not going to be the complainer or the nagger. I'm just not. And if you're cool with it, Brian, I think Jay, you, this was off the show last week, but you kind of broke down of Brian's space is being robbed from. Yeah, him. absolutely. Cause well, it, let's right, move it hit, on. Me, hit me like a, what we'll move on to that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because why do we play these games? Right. And it's because we have unmet needs in our life. It says the complainer, which in this case, spotlight on Brian. Yeah. Um, it's me. May really need attention. Now, Brian thinks that's not me. And I agree. That's not him. No. No. Sometimes it's like. I. Right. And to feel secure. That's it. That's it right there. And that's weird. And that was your aha moment last weird. week. It's weird. It's, explain that. Expand on that. Well, because you're sitting here and. Like you said, I feel like my my house or my space mm-hmm. isn't mine. Mm-hmm. And so Absolutely. therefore, what you have is being taken from you. And it's really, if you think about it, one of the most sacred things we have is our space. Yeah. Where? In your home. Right. The most sacred of places. The most safe of places. And you have verbalized. This is something important to me. Mm-hmm. And something that will help me feel okay. Not great. You're not going to walk in the house and be like, zippity-doo-dah, empty hallway. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're just going to feel okay. And it doesn't get done. Yeah. Okay, so therefore, you really don't care. Now, you know that's not true. They do care. Right. But so therefore, it's a lack of security mm-hmm. in that moment. <clears throat> and it says they use this game to prove or test the spouse, or in this case, family member, or anyone else's love. So mm. if you really loved me, you'd clean this up. Mm. Now you don't, it's never in the forefront of your mind. Yeah. See, that's a tough one for me to get around because I have no doubt in my mind. Right. Zero doubt. In but my mind. the hurt comes. Well, if you do love me, then why won't you just clean this up? Okay. We'll leave it there. I don't want to get too far down that, but right. I mean, it's, I'm saying that's not never in the forefront of your mind, but that triggers into, I know you love me, but why don't you love me enough to do this? Anyhow. Well, the procrastinator may have a need to be needed or appreciated and procrastinates to keep the spouse needing him or her. So that goes back to what we talked about earlier, that the person that's hooked into this game to that degree doesn't want to be not needed. 
Um, now, whether or not, you know, one of the places this comes from, most of these things come from our childhood and unmet needs as a child. And it says the complainer may have unhealed hurt over not feeling special in childhood. Okay, that could be true. Perhaps lacking attention then. The procrastinator may have unhealed anger about excessive complaining or controlling while growing up. So if somebody was really controlled and told what to do and told what to do and told what to do their life, they're much less likely, even if you say, sweetie pie, and this is not Brian and Alexis or anybody else, but you know, Hey honey, I was wondering if maybe we could, you know, do some yard, you could uh, do some yard work this afternoon. Well, that's the spouse saying it. What do they hear is the parent that nagged them Mm. growing up. And so, the problem and why these games are so destructive is the complainer might just simply have a need. Yeah. Hey, I need this. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's in but a, they're but sorry. they're stepping into yeah. the voice of the parent right. growing up that it was never good enough. And you're not even good enough. You just had to do everything. Do it this way. Do it this way. Do it right. this way. Do it this way. And I can probably relate. Like I was a messy kid growing up. My room was always messy. Like it all the time. And, um, you know, when Amy and I got married and started living together, there's always that adjustment. And I've come a long way since then because of a lot of trying to meet Amy's needs. And over time, like, and it hasn't even been at this level of like us talking about these games. It's more of like if I clean up the dishes or if I vacuum, that's meeting a need for Amy. Right. I've never really thought of it at this deeper level but now that i'm like i hate doing it (laughs) i hate like (laughs) i hate doing it but i love doing it for her right so and i've actually thought about um one of my coworkers, kate she did a, a new thing this year her new year's resolution was if it takes two minutes just do it and just get it done Mm -hmm. and i've kind of started doing that right i've kind of started doing that with some things around the house that if it takes two minutes i'm just going to do it and get it done and then it's done and trying to make it more snackable because when i look at something i look at that's robbing me of my time i want to spend my time other ways whether it's you know playing drums playing a game you know me time like that is going to rob me of my time and that's what all that stuff did when I was a kid, when I was told to like clean, 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 you know, clean up your room, make sure mm. it's not messy, blah, blah, mm. blah, blah. And, and it, it's like this, it is like this nagging, you know, voice in my head, even though rightly so I was a messy kid, I should have cleaned my room. Like it was really bad. Um, but I can, now that you explain it like that, it makes a lot more sense of like why I really don't want to do it. And, but also like, I really do want to do it for Amy. Right. Right. You were smiling. I, I just had this moment where um, right before the concert tonight, Jay and I um, went to a middle school concert with, with both of our kids in it, and it was wonderful. And um, <laughs> if by wonderful, go on. You mean other things? <laughs> wonderful um, to see well, children sing. It was wonderful to see and hear children sing sometimes. and More to see than hear, but go on. <laughs> Wonderful children. Let's just leave it at that. Some of them are. Um, <laughs> you guys still have your earplugs in? Our kids are good. Um, <laughs> most of the time. So, but right before we were about to leave, Ethan was dressed in black pants and black shoes with white socks on. And I said, buddy, let's go change. Let's get you. Let's get you some black socks. And um, we went up to my bedroom, which I couldn't, you know, really be in. And. I got him a pair of my black socks, which are just like these these ankle high socks. Yeah, a little big for him. But what I noticed, and when you said about the two minutes or less, just do it, just do it. I, I he took off his white socks, balled them up, you know, just like no. ripped them off, and they were in little balls on the floor. Um, he put on the, my black socks, and I had this moment where I was like. You better pick up those white socks. <laughs> I'm like, he, he, one more like, thing in this room. Because he will leave. Like, like, oh, they'll be there for. They will just be there forever. And then he picked them up. And it like brought me so much like relief yeah. like, that I didn't have to like <sighs> fight that. Because it's to me, it's yes. all. It's another they're, battle. They're all, it's exactly what it is. And I yeah. have enough. I don't know about you. I have enough battles in my life. I don't uh, want other battles. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I in my want, life. Yeah, I'm with you. And and so, I, you know, I think it comes down to that, too. It's just like. God, I just, I'm tired of fighting sometimes, you know, and 
So that was what that I just when you said that. Well, the it, line it, I used two minutes. Yeah, it, it was funny because a principal from Linton was yelling to another parent who's a friend of hers about their kids and messes and things they find in the house and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I told them the story of what, because I love the things that my kids will say to their kids because I always said it to them because I've figured those out that my parents have said to me, this one's all me. I started this, which is I'll say, Hey, Joe and Bella, um, you left your cereal bowl in the living room for somebody else to clean up. I'd like to introduce you to someone. And then I point to myself and I go, somebody else. (laughs) There's no magical anyone else that's going to come in here. It's somebody else. (laughs) Um, But there are ways to disengage, which is is the beauty of this game. For the complainer, the person that's always asking, always asking, the nag, if you will. It says, when requesting assistance from your spouse, lovingly clarify your time requirements. Which, on a side note, my brother once told me, whenever you're um, coming home, or whenever you're Say your wife says, hey, when are you going to be home? And I said, you know, like nine. He goes, no, you never give him a time. You tell him after dinner. Mm. And I was like, that's terrible. He goes, then they can't pin it down. Come home at two in the morning. It's after dinner. (laughs) But it is true. Could you do this before I leave? Could Mm -hmm. you do this? You know, it takes some of the gamesmanship out of it. Because what is the the procrastinator say? Well, I was going to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you say, can you do it by seven? That'll help you. Uh, Mm. If your spouse agrees, but then doesn't follow through, lovingly point out, not sarcastically, not passive aggressively, point out that the job hasn't been done in a final time in a final time frame. Um, That's also important to, to, you know, it's not going to always happen right away. Yeah. And they might, you know, and, and I think you have to say, look, when, I asked you to do this and you didn't by the agreed upon time. Yeah. I don't feel supported. Right. You have to give the emotional needs. I don't feel appreciated. I don't feel valued, respected, uh, respect, whatever it is that you're feeling. Yeah. And communicate and say, could you please try to get that done? Yeah. Now, the problem is we don't want to do that because I want if it doesn't get done. Right. Now, now we've defined it. Now it's a real issue. <laughs> and that's why we have to be what? Open, honest, and vulnerable. vulnerable. Now we have to go to counseling. Now we have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, if the spouse still doesn't follow through, then implement another plan. Do the task yourself, but guard against bitterness and retaliation. Boy, you need to hear that second part. Mm-hmm. Boy, you need to guard against that. <clears throat> um. Honestly, share your intentions up front. I don't think I'll. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm wrong, 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 wrong. Do the task yourself. Hire the task done. Hire the task done? Like actually pay somebody else to do it? Yeah. Or let the task go undone, which every, every complainer that's listening to this right now went, that's exactly what will happen. That's exactly what will happen. Just let it go. Just let it go, which I don't think that's a good advice. Because to me, that becomes almost like just a self-fulfilling I don't know, quagmire of, of misery. If you just keep letting it go, Boy, right? there's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> Self-fulfilling <laughs> quagmire of misery. That's maybe I'll get the, maybe I'll get to drop this, this, uh, this episode. <laughs> I think you just did. Self-fulfilling quagmire of ministry. Oh, misery. <laughs> Sorry. That's my life. That's the other t-shirt. <laughs> it's a little Freudian. That's the, there. The, the, the Christian version. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I fall much more on the, be open and honest. Yeah. Ask, explain why it matters. Because why do you do all the things you hate to do for Amy? Because you love Amy and you know it's going to bless Amy. Yeah. You know, if I know that Rachel and wants that's me a beautiful to do something, thing, man. it that's is. A, that's a beautiful and thing. And it's rare. Well, and I'm yeah. not even like great at it either. Like, <laughs> But you but you intentionally do it. And yeah, that's, right. Don't self-deprecate. That's amazing. <sighs> yeah, it's amazing. Stop it. That's good emotional I'm responding. I'm the best. For the procrastinator, yeah. if you want to disengage from the game... <laughs> Right. Uh, my favorite one is this. Number one, finish the task you indicated you would do. Check. Like, do what you're supposed to do. <laughs> do better. Douchebag. <laughs> Number two, honestly share your intentions up front. I don't think I'm going to do it, quote unquote. <laughs> Can you take the garbage out? Probably not. Probably not. Can you take my car to get fixed? I don't see it happening this week, honey. Um, But I want to do it. And... uh Anyhow, 
So that's the things you need to do to disengage from those games. That's what you need to do to do better in your marriage. Do better. And we actually, we do have another episode of what's down this guy's pants. Yes. Gosh, people. Illinois thief busted with stolen booze down his pants. I can respect that. (laughs) Right? It's expensive. Now, here's what we can't relate to. A Walgreens employee, you can't buy booze at Walgreens here in Pennsylvania. You sure can in other parts of this country. A Walgreens employee stopped a would-be booze thief after noticing an obviously large bulge in his pants, police said. A store clerk noticed a customer walking toward the exit with a big lump in his pants. That wasn't there before and walking with a limp. Well, he was was, looking at porn. Which was also new. The worker then told the man to return whatever he was trying to steal. The suspect pulled out two handles, 59 ounces each, of Captain Morgan. Ooh, all right. Fancy well, pants. I mean. Of Captain Morgan out of his trousers. No details on how he did it. The thief well, then got aggressive with the employee, including kicking him in the leg. The clerk blocked the entrance so the gentleman couldn't escape before the police got there. When the officers arrived, they noticed the man was intoxicated. Smelled, what? Smelled like alcohol. That was just and, his leg. And then it slurred his speech. I'm sure you know the final chapter of the story. The thief was arrested. Well, everybody needs a little captain in them. <laughs> hey I couldn't find it. I was like, pe- peg leg. <laughs> that could be the drop, too. Parrot and birds. <laughs> rum shaker. Man, I do love rum. Rumpelstiltskin? You make a good rum drink. Yoo-hoo? You know what goes good with Yoo-hoo? Not rum. Little rum. Yoo-hoo. Rumpelstiltskin? It's just good by I'm doing Big Daddy. Oh, sorry. Brian? Uh, this one's a little dark. Texas bartender <laughs> charged for serving killer before deadly shooting spree. And I, I think this is a do-better on the Texas justice system. All right. Um, the story just, it goes on to say that a Texas bartender served a, a man who went on a deadly shooting spree. Uh, and then the bartender was charged, basically by saying you over- they overserved him into murder. Like, like yeah, like like you served somebody into murder. You're responsible for this guy, the, all of this shooting. Um, apparently, the they're bar- charging the bartender with accessory to murder. Uh, uh, Glass, um, Tiffany Glass was arrested on April 30th. Um, Glass violated Texas law, arguing a person is guilty of violating the sale of certain persons' offense if he or she negligently sells an alcoholic beverage to a habitual drunkard or an intoxicated or insane person. Um, That's insane. But they went on. They went on to, uh, and this is an older story, but I just found it. Um, Basically, like she was the one that called nine nine one one. She was concerned with the like after she realized like how much this guy had and you know how intoxicated he was. Like yeah. she she ended up calling the police and and um he went he still went out went off and and um killed his like ex girlfriend and a bunch of people she was with at a party. But like I just like no, it's weird because like it's different. Like I can understand the there's the law if you overserve somebody and then they drive home and then they like wreck into somebody and they kill somebody vehicular manslaughter right yeah coming from I your get, establishment right i get that i don't get you can't accidentally murder somebody like if it's murder it's murder right like that person is well the person can't say the well, person didn't murder that person cuz they were drunk well that's what i'm saying is the person can't say you know what I may have murdered them, but I was drunk. Yeah, I was black. And if I drunk. wasn't drunk, we yeah. all know I wouldn't have done it. So therefore, I'm not a. How is he's? I don't know. That's, well, and that was a dilemma I did have, like, because I did bartend, and that yeah. was one of the reasons I stopped bartending. There's a lot was, of pressure. All the murders. Well, all of the like, it's just I, I would, I, I, I would hear you know overhear people talking, and like you could just tell this guy was going to go home and, and beat his wife, mm. and, or whatever, and. You know, it was just one of these things where I just got to the point where I was like, I, I just can't be a part of that situation. They're going to go out and do it. I'm just not going to be the person that enables them to to have the liquor that is going to put them over the edge. You know, so that was a dilemma for me. And you, know, and I, you better have the backing of ownership. Right. When you decide to not do that. I did not. No, you did not. Mr. Mon- yeah. Leave that one alone. Um well, anyways, that's just, I don't know. Do better Texas justice system? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's its hard to find who to, you know. Well, she should do better. 
Like if that guy's that sloshed. Yeah. But it's just let's a weird not situation. charge a bartender with murder. Yeah. yeah I have one. Uh, and it's uh, maybe, um, well, I'll just read it. Florida man oh, oh, Florida. and woman oh boy. arrested after leaving pig in hot car at mall parking lot. Ugh. A man, Jacksonville, a man and woman were arrested after police say they left a pig in a hot car while they went to the mall. On Monday, May 27th, the Jacksonville Sheriff Office responded to the Avenue Shopping Mall in Jacksonville, Florida, to assist with an animal investigation regarding an animal on a vehicle. An officer used his department-issued, which I'm glad they put that in the article. Department-issued fire. Department-issued window-breaking tool. Oh. <laughs> Very official. That's a lot of words to just say. <laughs> he smashed it. <laughs> With his stick. To free a small, multicolored pig. Oh, okay. From the back seat. The officer then placed the pig in his own back seat with a bucket of water. Rolled up the windows and <laughs> left. My question is, uh, Animal Care and Protective Services removed the pig from the scene. The two were arrested on animal cruelty charges. Isn't it interesting at some level, if they took that pig home, cut its head off, threw it in an oven, same temperature, perfectly legal. Yep. Bacon. But yet slowly let it die while alive. Yeah. I guess I could see the difference that's torture. between the two. <laughs> no, that now makes that more sense. About no, it out loud. One's yeah, a very that, quick death. Yeah. One's a very slow, agonizing one. Yes. Making bacon the slow Making way. Bacon pancakes. So good old Florida. Good old Florida. Do better. Don't have a ba- a pet pig. I was going to say, don't have a baby in Florida. I don't, thought that's what you were going to wow. say. <laughs> Do better. Stop procreating. Man, that's another one. Um, but also... Um, Can't do better. No. Even no. if you have a pig. Oh, I thought you were going into it. Can't take do it in the car with you? I don't know. Some pig. Charlotte's I mean, how do you yell at it? Never mind. We have a friend from high school that has a, a pig for a pet. Pig for a pet? Is his name Polly? No. Polly Pooperson? Has a I don't pig think for so. A pet? But evidently, they make really great pets. I suppose. They're dirty. <laughs> Not if you clean them up. <laughs> I have pig stories out the wazoo, but I don't have time for it. Wow. Uh, uh, Brian Von Block, uh, Young Life Camp. Yeah, my man. We were using farm animals as part of the skits for the run-ons at club each night, and we had a pig, a real 350-pound pig. It was a big piggy. And Brian was in charge each week of going to go get the pig and from the pen that we had, and he had to capture it, and Brian hated this pig with a passion. <laughs> And then at the end of the month, when we were done, we bought the pig and we killed the pig. And then they were going to cut and, you know, eat the pig. Brian was the first one after they shot the pig to chop its head off because he was so sick of that pig. Wow. And his fantasy football team name that year was Axe Chopping Pig Killers. (laughs) If any of you know Brian Von Block. That makes it even funnier because he is a very quiet, <laughs> he's a very timid, timid human gentle man. Yeah. But he had a passionate hate for the this rage. Pig. Just came out this time, and the meat was terrible. <laughs> it's true, but some can't do better. That's like right. naming your fantasy football league name <laughs> "Axe Chopping Pig Killers." That's pretty good. You can't do better than that. But some people can't do better. Who else can't do better? So there's a uh, Texas school bus driver. Um, he goes way beyond what I know where you're going, bro. You know what this is? I think I do. This is the one from <gasps> uh, Dave Shire sent this one. This yes. is not the one shout that out. I know. Oh. So there you go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Shout out to Dave. Dave Shire. Dave Shire um, sent this one. Cause this, this is awesome. It is a good one. Um, so this long story short, Texas school bus driver goes way beyond his job duties. He, he brings all the kids on his bus and makes like, gives them responsibilities um, he's like, these are my children. Curtis says, this is, these are my community. I love them all. To establish community, he starts by giving everyone responsibility. Curtis gave some examples. This is one of the police officers, he said. It's an elaborate flowchart. She's an administrative assistant to the, the president, he pointed out. Um, everyone working on the bus builds a yellow bus utopia. We're going to care about each other, and we're going to love everybody, right? Curtis asked the children. I put time, effort, love, and care, understanding each and every one of these kids, he said. To show his love and understanding, Curtis gives presents throughout the year, each one personally selected with that child in mind. He gave this girl a T-shirt with a picture from a book she made. I'm hoping this T-shirt inspires her to keep on writing books, he said. Over the years, 
Over the year, he had bought he has bought these kids bikes, backpacks, handed out cards on birthdays, and even turkeys on Thanksgiving. He spent thousands out of his own pocket, and yet, if you ask the kids what they like most about Curtis, the gifts don't even come up. The children said stuff like, he really cares about us, and he's mm. really kind. And he helps anyone in need, said Ethan Engel, a fifth grader. He said, the bus ride is often the best part of his day. Wow. My mom got divorced when That's I awesome. was... Uh, my no mom, kid can say that. No my, kid says that. My right? mom got divorced when I was only four. He's the father that I always wanted. Wow. In some ways, I wish my dad could have been like that, Ethan said. Oh, I hope Ethan's dad hears this. Go on. We make the mistake sometimes of thinking certain jobs are more important than others, but Curtis Jenkins made his job important, and in doing so, even created his own salary. That's the paycheck right there. If I can get that, you can keep the money, Curtis said. So That's awesome. I love how he's like he putting time and effort into the kids, and then like that's and they what, respond. Well, and that's what they love the most. It's not the stuff that he gave; it's the time and effort of like the thoughtfulness that he that he has for them and. All the, it's all almost the like if you give kids does. discipline and direction and you meet their emotional needs. Right. They thrive. Of approval and belonging. Dude, it's such an awesome story. That is unbelievable. And his name's Curtis Jenkins. It just sounds like a blues song in the making or something. Well, a song about like, it. Like, here, here fact, if you do some ah, research, yeah. you find out as far as good brother, bad brother, his brother, Leroy Jenkins. Oh, Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> Man, that's going back. Video game home run for me. That's right. That's not really a video game. It's fake YouTube clip home run. I think on that note, <laughs> that's the show. We will see you guys next week. What happens after that? We do another show after that. Won't we be on vacation? Uh, I don't think yet. Oh, two weeks. I'm like, what's going on? Oh, right. Oh, yes, yeah. We're here. We're here next week. You we just are. got so disappointed. I know. Ah, oh, one. <laughs> I just wished a whole week of my life away. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Well, now that we, well, while we still have you, visit us at lunchtime at room.com. Yes. Watch the show live Thursday evening around 8, 8.30. If there's a uh, choral concert, maybe 9. Right. Um, and uh, join us on the show live. It's a, it's a blast, and we love having you guys listen live and comment and uh, all that fun Send stuff. in your do-betters. Send, Send in, in your do-betters. Do Thank you, Dave. And, uh, be, hey, yeah. be a can't-do-better. Be a can't do be better. Be a can't do better. Yeah. Curtis Jenkins. And on that note, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>